Cool, cool. I, I mean, what, what kind of world would this be if we just really kind of invested ourselves so completely and utterly? You know, if, if we just allowed the gospel that we know, that we've come to know, that has changed our lives and just go out and, and, and just everything that we do becomes part of mission and work and all that stuff. Because really, I think that's what we've been praying these last couple of weeks. Um, if you haven't been here, we've been we've been going through this little quick series called Dangerous Prayers. And it's three simple prayers. Search me. God, search my heart. Show me the things and reveal to me the things that are in the way. My, my fears, my sins, all the things that are in the way for me becoming completely and totally following you and being who you made me to be. Search me. Break me. God, whatever is bottled up inside of me that is keeping me from being the fragrance of Christ to the people around me, then God, just just break me. Let it pour out from me. And then finally, last week we said, send me. God, now I'm doing this, just send me, send me, send me. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'll go. I'll be, I will answer the call that you placed on every one of our lives every single day. It says, who will go for us? Who will, who will I send? I, I'm here, send me. And, and so that was last week. And, and I think all of that comes together. With this idea that we carry hope. If you notice as you walk in, there's a big old like poster on our window that says, Hope is here. If you notice you come in, there's a, there's a sign that's going out on the road starting Monday. Um, there, there are 500 door hangers that says, Hope is here. We believe hope is here because we believe that Jesus is here. And we believe that as we have prayed, God, search me. God, God break me and send me. Because we believe your hope is here, your hope resides within us, and we are the hope. We carry the hope of this planet. That's what the church is here for. I, I think that's what the church is for, why Jesus created the church in the first place, is to carry the hope. That the church is the hope of the world. And, and, and that's why we're here. And so uh, it's our part. And so it's good to pray. And, and it's good to say, God, you know, search me, God, break me, God, send me. But we got to do something with that. Or, or it's just words. Or it's just saying. There, there are so many people. So many great churches. So many great Christians. That have so much great intentions. But intentions. Don't change the world. And so, so I think our prayer. And our life. Starts becoming something like this. Hudson Taylor. Who you should obviously know. This is one of my heroes. Because I always like. I love this guy. And stuff. Read his life. Just, I mean, just sit there. My promise. I keep praying, like God, I want to be like Hudson Taylor, and he throws me into situation. I know my wife's just in there. Please stop praying that, praying that, because they like starve to death. I'm like, yeah, but it's really cool. Um, but Hudson, I love Hudson Taylor said this. He says, I used to ask God to help me. Then I asked if I might help him. I ended up by asking God to do His work through me. That's the culmination of that prayer. That's that culmination of God, search me, break me, send me. Do your work through me. Let hope be lit through me. And, and, and before we get into all this and, and we dive into what this looks like and how this looks fleshed out, I think we have to understand what hope is also. Because this isn't a hope like wishful thinking. This isn't a hope that we talk, that we carry about, that we carry within us and that we talk about. That's about like, man, I hope that happens. I hope that works out. Like, I wish, I really, I'm, I'm hoping it does. No, this is a hope that's founded in fact and in truth and in the power of Jesus Christ. So 1 Peter 
1, verse 13, says this. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be serious and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, our hope is in a living, breathing God that has always kept his word. Our hope is a foundation. It is, it is solid ground. It is Jesus and so it's not wishful thinking because the entire world is living on wishful thinking right now. Man, I hope the right person gets in the office and I hope they pass the right laws and I hope that there'll be peace one day in the Middle East and I hope they'll sign that peace treaty and there'll be this and I hope this and, and it is all wishful thinking. Our hope that we carry is a foundation. It's the rock solid base of Jesus Christ. Which nothing can shake. Nothing can do anything Against. And so so that's what we carry. And so, I, so I, I want us to understand that from the very get-go. Is that if Jesus resides in you, if the Holy Spirit resides in you, you carry hope. A promise. A fulfilled promise. Not a wishful thought. And so tonight, the whole idea is about ready, set, hope. That we are people that are bringing hope. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. But before we do that, let's just pray. God, thank you so much for tonight. God, you knew exactly who was going to be here, Father. And whether it's 15 of us or it's 15,000, God, you can do whatever you want to do tonight. And God, with 15 people, you could change everything. And so, God, I pray tonight that you would just speak. That you would encourage our hearts, God, as we continue to move, as we continue to kind of morph and evolve as a church and try to follow your leading. God, may it always be about you. May it be about this message that we are the hope, that we carry the hope of the world. God, may that be evident in, in whatever we say and whatever we do, God, in the plans and the strategies and all that, God, that it's about you. God, because you said in your word that if Jesus is lifted up, you will draw men. And so, Lord, we just want to lift you up tonight. God, move me out of the way. Let it be your words, not my words. And God, just, just reveal yourself. And may we be changed. So, God, give us ears to hear and hearts to respond to your word and to your moving and to your leading, God. We love you and we praise you. It's all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, again, so tonight, this is why I'm going to talk, because I think we are hope bearers, and that, that's why I love this idea that, that hope is here, that wherever we go, wherever we walk, if you have Jesus in you, you carry hope with you, and, and, and it is our job to bring hope. And so we're going to be, if you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 5. If you don't have a Bible, take one of our Bibles, please. We have plenty. I still have some back there. Put your name in it. Enjoy it. It's an ESV. I like that translation. I hope you would, too. Um, if you don't um, like it, then tough it's the only one we have so so um enjoy but if you do have your bibles turn to matthew chapter 5 uh starting verse 13 and i love this whole um passage and i love this whole um section right here this is this is if you don't know what this is this is part of sermon on the mount it is the greatest sermon ever preached um this whole time where Jesus goes up on the side of the mountain and just starts preaching great things and amazing things. And right before this, you, you get the entire list of Beatitudes right before these passages. You know, blessed is he who does this. Blessed is he. Blessed is he. Blessed is he. And it's kind of crazy stuff. And I'm very, very excited because we're going to actually be talking and preaching through um, the Sermon on the Mount starting the week after Mother's Day. 
um, I didn't want to kind of start it and then have to stop it and everything because we want to honor our mothers. We have a special service for, for moms and, and mothers, so please invite your friends. It's a great time to come out on Mother's Day and do that. We have a very special service plan. We have a great service plan for tomorrow, next week. But we're going to be doing this. I'm very, very excited about the Sermon on the Mount because it, it's an amazing an amazing message and really all i should have to do is just like read it and then we just go home because jesus words are always better than mine and stuff but that's where this is this is the context of that that he just went through this whole idea about this idea of like here's what it looks like to know god the beatitudes this is what it means this is what it should look like in your life and everything the entire list of beatitudes this is this is this is our relationship with god you know Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed, blessed are those you know who um, are persecuted. Blessed are those that are meek. Blessed, you know, blessed are the meek. Blessed, all those things. This is how we relate to God perfectly. And I'm really excited about pre- preaching on this. But tonight we're, we're jumping to this because now we jump to this idea. That this is what it should look like to everyone else. And, and, and that's what's kind of happening here. And, and the very first thing that um, he says that we are to be is salt. Salt in verse 13. In fact, let's just read this whole, starting in verse 13. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And so you get this beautiful picture of Jesus saying, here's, here's what this looks like outside. I, I just talked to you about what it should look like between you and God. Here's what it should look like in the rest of the world. And the very first thing he says is your salt. You, you are the salt of the world. And, and I love, and just to understand, some, salt was very important at this time. Salt was, salt was currency at this time because there were so many uses to it. There was so much because they didn't have refrigeration. They didn't have a lot of things. And so salt meant everything. And so salt does this. It seasons stuff. It brings kind of a flavor to it. And as Christians, as followers of Christ, we bring a flavor to this planet. We, we really, really should. And so we walk in, it should be like, wow, this is what this is supposed to taste like. I see, because I think without Jesus, this world is bland. They, they may think that they are like, I, I love when, I, like I've been in youth ministry, I was in youth ministry 30 years, and I love when kids saying, I just want to show myself in my unique uniqueness. I'm like, then is that why you are dressed like the 30 other girls that are sitting next to you? <laughs> Off the same tattoos and ear piercings. <laughs> It's all see, we're not unique. We're bland until we know Jesus. We we're only unique until when we become who God made us to be. And so I think first like salt seasons. The other thing is it hinders corruption. Like then you know that's they didn't have refrigeration, so they would rub the salt in the meat and would keep it from turning bad and everything. And I think just by our presence, you know, that we should hinder corruption. Well, uh, my favorite part of being a pastor is sneaking up behind people. <laughs> When they don't know what they, they don't know you're there because especially in youth pastor I would show up in lunch rooms, and like kids are like sitting there going, "Oh man, you should have seen it," and start talking all kinds of like nasty cuss word stuff. And I just walk up like, "Hey, how's it going?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm the youth pastor from down the road. Conversation changed immediately. It's so funny. It's hilarious. 
And now they had to have like people start looking for me and stuff. And, and I just love it. I just think it's really funny. But the idea is that when we walk into a room, does the conversation change? Because they know that you're a follower of Jesus. Because they know there's something different. Do some of the dirty jokes end? Do some of the like crassness end? Because as bearers of Christ, as bearers of hope, man, we walk in and, and corruption starts being hindered. I couldn't imagine this world, and I'm so glad I'm not going to be here when God pulls his church completely out. And what's going to happen on this planet? If you don't know what's going to happen, open your book to Revelation about like halfway through and start reading after all the all the people and just listen to what happens when God pulls his church out. See, see, we, we hinder corruption. I mean, and so I think when we walk in, I think people just sit there. I mean, does your presence ever make anybody uncomfortable? See, because I think as a follower of Christ, it should at times. I, I, we live in a fallen world and I understand and so fallen people are going to act fallen I, I never really understood that. we get so mad and I still do I, I watch the news I'm like that is so stupid it's just, they're idiots but they're acting like they don't know Jesus because they don't know Jesus and we should expect that we should expect our supreme court to say yes gay marriage will work they don't know Jesus. Why would they not say that? Or let's do this or let's have abortions. Let's do that. They don't know Jesus. And so, but the question is, is we're carrying Jesus. If we're actually salt, when we walk in a room, one, I think some corruption stops. And two, I think people start feeling uncomfortable. I, I think it also brings out the flavor in our world. I, I think that we just go in and like I, I, I think, yeah, we do. We are controversial. Listen, Jesus Christ was controversial. <laughs> he didn't back down. And so now he was harder on religious people than he was on anybody else because he knew sinners act sin. But he still looked at them and said, go and sin no more. Stop it. But, I mean, he brought out the flavor. I mean, there's there's debate and there's stuff. And, and one of my greatest heartbreaks for this country is I remember when it was okay to disagree in this country and have debate. And it's not okay because we're politically correct. And if political correctness keeps you from going to jail, then set me up a cell because it's just not going to work for me. My mouth is too big. But the last thing salt does is it creates thirst. If you don't believe me, go home, take a teaspoon of salt and just put it in your mouth. <laughs> it makes you thirsty. And my question again, as, as, as followers of Christ, as we have prayed, God, search me. God, God, break me and send me. Or when we walk into a room, do people start getting thirsty? And, and, and I sit there and you're like, wow, man, Tony, you're really just bumming me out because I feel like, I feel like, I, listen, I went, I listened to Francis Chan this week. And if you don't know who Francis Chan is, every time I listen to Francis Chan, I don't feel like I'm a Christian anymore because it's just like, oh, this is godly and holy. I'm like, oh, and so I'm not trying to do that tonight, but I want us to check this because I think that we create thirst. I, I think that we do hinder corruption. I think, I think that this all happens, but I think there's a way that this happens. See, what's really interesting about this being salt is it's not something that we kind of scream and yell, hey, I'm salt, I'm salt, I'm salt. It's about an inward change. It, it's, kind of, it's kind of quiet when we're salt. It, it's not being the big, loud person. It's just when I live my life, 
according to scripture, according to God's laws, according to God's plan. And Jesus and all this stuff, when I live my life, that this is a natural outflow of what happens around me. Because because here's here's what I, you know, I was trying to figure what's the best way to show this. Turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Many of you probably know this verse already, but Paul, you know, Paul's talking here. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is any, if, if there is any praise, dwell on these things. And I think as followers of Christ, when we dwell on the honorable and the true and the pure and the lovely and the commendable and the praiseworthy, and that happens, and that's the thing that we focus on, then we become salt. It's, it's an inward change. Listen, you can't be salt just because you just think like, hey, I'm strong enough, I'm smart enough, and I'm, I'm witty enough. I can just be salt. Because Jesus warns says, what happens if the salt loses its saltiness? And I think a lot of our salt, a lot of our Christian are losing their saltiness because they're not focusing on what is honorable, whatever is just, what is pure, whatever, all the whatevers. They, they want to focus on being political. They want to focus on being popular. They want to focus on being powerful. They want to focus on whatever is the biggest thing of the day. That if we focus on this, man, we become salt. And when it's an inward change, man, I just think people start noticing. I, I, I think this is the definition of integrity. That our faith, when nobody is looking, is as real when everybody is paying attention. That only happens, and we're only salt when we focus on these things. That's pretty cool. But there's not just being being salt. There's this also this idea that you know we are still hope bearers, and yes, there's a private thing. But I think there's 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 a loud thing too. There there's a thing that says we are called to be. Come on, change. It may not change. We're called to be light. We're called to be out there and say, hey, you know what, this is this is what this is what Jesus looks like. And it's visible and it's physical and people see it. In fact, turn to verse 14, back in Matthew 5, verse 14. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven. It is it is an outward flow. It is. It is this idea that, man, we, we are light and we want people to see it. And, and the very first thing I want you to understand is it's not our light. I mean, some of you are very bright in this room. But it is not your light that reflects Jesus. In fact, John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus makes it very, very, very clear here. Jesus spoke to them again, and he says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus makes it very clear, I am the light of the world. It's, it's the idea that we look at the moon, and it's beautiful and everything, but the moon does not, it does not create its own light. The moon reflects the light of the sun. That's what makes it beautiful. That's what makes it stand out at night when that when it's and this week it's been awesome, man. There's like green moons. I don't know. Jesus is coming back. Red moons, you know everything. I don't know. Listen, Democrats are in office. Anything could happen. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just. <laughs> it's crazy. 
Donald Trump's going to be president. I don't know what's going to happen. That's just, this is that's got to be in Revelation. Anyway, but but the moon, man, it's beautiful, and we look at it, and we're just like, wow, that's gorgeous and it's romantic. But it's only all those things because it reflects the light of the sun. Listen, we shine the brightest when we reflect the light of Jesus in us. And so it, it's it's not our light. It, it's it never was our light. And I love, I love that it's not hid and it's not hoarded. Isn't that what, isn't that what he said? A city set on the hill. It cannot be hidden. Or no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. And I just, I don't understand why so often it just seems like as Christians we take this light and this hope and all this that we've given. And it's like we just, we like, I don't want anybody to see it. You know, hide it in a bushel. Oh, no. It, it can't be hid and it can't be hoarded. It has, it has to shine and it has to, and it has to go out like that. And it is an outward expression. Listen, I understand not all of us feel comfortable talking to people. Not all of us feel like, man, I can just say whatever I want to people. I can stand up there and just like, you need Jesus. And I, you know, I don't even like doing that. I mean, I do it just to freak some people out sometimes because I'm just, I'm, I like to freak people out. But I mean, I understand it. But for this idea that like, if I just live my faith quietly and I just, and I'm prayerful and I don't say anything, people might just see Jesus. It's like that saying, you know, share the gospel always. If necessary, use words. Francis of Assisi never said that. It's the stupidest statement ever because my Bible says faith comes by hearing. My Bible in Romans 10, I mean, I I didn't put that up there, but I just, it's one of my life passages. Romans chapter 10. Let me just, let me just read this to you. Ooh, hold on. Romans 10. I, I love this. Verse 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a promise. I love that. But he says, but how can they call on him? They have not believed in. And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things. It's this beautiful picture of like we are called to, to talk, to share, to tell, to live, and to do all of it about Jesus. That it's not something I just hold in. That your faith, if it's just an inward faith, it is a faith that is failing. It really is. We, we are called just to, to be this light and to be salt. We're, we're called to be introverted and extroverted at the same time. And let me tell you something, the only way that happens is if Jesus is in control. I have I have tons of friends that are in youth ministry and pastors and stuff that are introverted to the point where and they they go in their office, the blinds are closed, the doors are shut, and they're just like, I'm so happy right now. And they are dynamic because they allow Jesus to do his work. I know I know pastors that are extroverted like crazy, man. They are just in your face and just all the time. You just see them they're just like praise Jesus and you're like, "Whoa, back off. Take a breath, man. Calm down." And this but at the same time, they know when to just shut up and sit down and let God just move and just say, "I just need to be quiet." 
See, see, it's about Jesus, not about us. It's not. It's God takes our personality, He takes our giftings, He takes all this stuff, and He says you can be light with this, and you can be salt with this, and that's what the world needs because this world needs hope, not a fairy tale, not a wishful thinking, but they need hope, and the true hope and the only hope is Jesus Christ, and we carry that. You know, so David Platt says we're Plan A. There is no plan B. And, and I also love this. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who's another one of my heroes. Listen, if you're not reading some of these classic Christians and stuff, then you're lame. I mean, you need to. You really you really need to read about like some of our history and just these people. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you don't know who he was, he was a pastor in Germany You know, during World War II. He fought. You know, he didn't believe in Hitler and all that stuff. And he actually went up against Hitler, tried to assassinate him, even though he was a pacifist. And he says, no, I have to stop evil. And he got caught. He got put in a concentration camp. And like a week before the Allies showed up, he was put to death. He's a martyr. If you go to London and you go to Westminster Abbey, one of his statues on the martyr wall right now. He's a modern-day martyr um, for the Christians and stuff. But I love, and I couldn't find the exact quote, but he always had the statement when he talked about this passage. He said, We're being salt and light are not requests or options. Jesus doesn't say, man, I hope you're going to be light. I hope you're going to be salt. It would be nice if you were light or salt. No, it says if you're a follower of mine, you are salt. You are light. It's not an option. This is what happens when we pray, God, search me, break me, send me. We become salt and light and the world receives hope. That's what happens. I mean, that that's powerful, and that's everything. And and I know some, I, you sit here, and it might be kind of overwhelming, just saying, well, what do I do with all this? You know, we, we live in a town, we live in an area that there are about 30,000 people. Um, there are about four or five churches here. All the churches are struggling. None of them are really knocking it out of the park. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that are hurting. There's, the, you know, the, there's human trafficking down here. There's drugs down here like crazy. The, the, there's divorce. There's abuse. There's all kinds of this darkness that is happening in this four corners area. You know, I've been in Claremont for eight eight years and stuff, and I'll, you know, all I've ever heard is like these great. There are great churches in Claremont doing great things, but the problem is, is eighty percent of the people still aren't going to church. People are just not hearing the gospel, and I know that might just seem overwhelming. It says, "Well, what can I do?" You know, we we do this stuff with the world, and like you know, the gospel goes to the whole world, and we've got we've got missionaries, and we want to plant churches, and we want to do all this stuff, and it's big stuff. And I just want you to know, the big dreaming stuff—that's my job. Let me get overwhelmed because I do every day that I think about this area and just the need of hope in this area. But let me get overwhelmed because here, here's the deal. Sally Koch, who's an author and a missionary, she said, great opportunities to help others, great opportunities to seldom come. Like we may do something and, wow, it's just really huge and it's a great opportunity and thousands and thousands of people come. Probably not, but small ones surround us daily. You, daily you get a chance where you can be light and salt. Every single day you get a chance to be light and salt, to be hope. In a world that so desperately needs it. What do we have that Disney doesn't have? Jesus. And it changes everything. What do we have that the Fortune 500 don't have? Jesus. 
Because I've, I put my hope in Disney. Guess what? They're going to fire me. <laughs> you know? The company's going to go away one day. Universal's going to go one day. Uh, everything, that, you know, everything that we see is going to go away one day. Jesus is not. The hope that we have in him, that assurance that we have in him, doesn't. That's what this world wants, and that's what this world needs, and that's why we're a church here. And that's why we're moving to Sunday nights. So we have opportunities to do more stuff and to reach more people. I, I love, I love, I love this because um, this is actually, my wife did this. Um, if, if you ever come to my house, you know, so we have this nice little like sunroom in the back. It's my office and everything. All my books and everything are there and stuff. Horrible pastor study. I actually want to kick my kids out because there's a great office in the front of the house. But no, we have to let them live with us because they're our kids. But um. <laughs> But it's this great, but it's a nice room back there. And, and I, I get up in the morning, I have my coffee, and I sit there. I turn my chair around, and I look out these windows in our backyard, and I drink my coffee, and I have my devotions. And it's, it's beautiful, and we, we do it together a lot of times. We sit there. Well, I, we have three trees in our backyard. We, we have two oak trees that are just like, I just cut down like half of them, and there's still more there. I just uh, huge huge oak trees and right in the middle of them there's a maple tree um and it just stands there in the winter man that tree is the ugliest tree you've ever it's the most pitiful tree it is dead no leaves whatsoever you know it's the only tree you have that the leaves actually fall on the ground and so for like it's like our florida fall like oh wait a minute the leaves are changing they're gone okay <laughs> that's that's like 12 hours and that's that's what happens that's Florida fall. But this tree, and we were sitting there one time, and my wife looks at it and says, man, that is a depressing tree. It's just, it looks dead. It's lifeless. But you know what? Spring's coming. Spring's coming. Hope. New life is coming. And I remember us sitting there and seeing it start budding. And like little tiny buds on the tips, and we're like, Ooh, look, look, buds. And then squirrels running out there and eating the buds off. I'm like, what the heck? What are these squirrels? I'm getting the shotgun. I'm, I'm going to save our tree. And then we're like, no, just just wait, just wait. See, because, I mean, the world kept biting at it and attacking it, and it still looked dead, and it looked barren. And all of a sudden, one day I come out, one morning I come out, and there's like three leaves. And then I come out again, and there's four or five more. And there's more leaves, and there's more leaves. But you see, because when spring comes... When the sun rises, hope begins. You see, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died. And three days after he died, he rose again and he brought forever spring. He brought hope forever spring that says there is new life. Because my Bible says anyone that comes to Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And that there is new life. And there is new beginning. And, and I believe that's where this church is. I, I believe that that's why I'm here. I may be the only one standing here in six months just saying, okay, well, <laughs> Sherry, you have to listen to me preach. I'm your husband. But <laughs> no, you can't podcast it. You're going to, no, just, um, but I just believe, yeah, I mean, we, we've been the ringer. And I, listen, I am the least likely person to plant a church. I just believe that point. And that's not like false humility. That's just, you don't know me yet. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I'm not that person. But spring is coming. And, and I believe God rooted us here, and God, God planted us here. And, you know, maybe we'll get 100 people. 
And maybe we'll get 10,000. I don't know. Either way, I don't care. I, I love John Wesley. Always says, says, give me a hundred preachers who despise sin and fear God. And I will change the world. I, we will shake the gates of hell. A hundred people. Let them be clergy, laymen, whatever. Trained or untrained. But let me be people that despise sin and love God. And we will shake the gates of hell. And, and I believe that. I believe that for our heart, that God has placed us here to shake the very gates of hell. And, and spring is coming. And so that's this decrepit dead tree. <laughs> Spring's coming. And I'm probably going to totally do this wrong. But there's this idea that, um, yeah, maybe. Um, I'm going to need some. It's just a thumb, right? All right, it's just good, yeah. <laughs> I'm the pastor. I can do any finger I want to. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the idea is that we place this tree here that it can go with us because right now we, we are, man. We, we, have, we're, we are struggling to survive. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be totally honest with you. We struggle. We make enough money to keep the lights on and stuff. And there, there's so much ministry and there's so many things you want to do. And there, there are people I want to hire. And there, there, there are things I want to And there's equipment that we need. And we're talking to people. And all that happens when God provides and God grows. And I, I know that. We knew exactly what we were getting into when we got into this. So nobody said, like, oh, don't even feel bad for you. No, feel bad for us. That's good. You know, take us out to eat. But, I mean, but we knew what we were getting into with this. I just believe God is moving and God is doing great things. And, and so we want to put this tree here. And the idea is that spring's coming, that every time a life comes, that someone joins our church and becomes a part of our community, that we want to put a leaf on this tree. That we, we want to see what God does, that spring starts coming and, we, and we're growing. And, and see how God takes a tree in a community that so desperately needs life and hope. See, I just believe spring is coming. I probably got my thumb too wet there. <laughs> See, I do. I know. But but spring's coming. Can I get a napkin or something <laughs> before I wipe this one ruin my shirt? And we want to, we just, oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, we just, here, here's all I want you to do. Tonight, I just want, last week I said, if you felt like God was saying, hey, I am called to this church. Because I, I've told people, and some people, my very good friends and everything, I just told them, says, if you're not called here, then let me find you a place where you are called. I'm, I don't believe that we should be going around like 30 different churches and just saying, hey, well, who's got the best show? I think God calls us specifically to a place because we're part of that body and be of that. And so that's what I'm asking you to pray. And so tonight, man, if you prayed that last week, then here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to have Jimmy just, hey, wake up. Okay, <laughs> see, he was awake. All right, that's on the podcast, too. I'm just going to ask you to pray tonight, and if you feel led, just say, yeah, this is where I'm at. And, you know, and I know usually this is people, what, the way we're going to do this is we're going to have new members class every month. We have it at the end of the month. We ask you to come, hear about it, and if this is a church where you feel led, um, that following that new members class, the next service, we're going to have you come up, and that's how we're going to introduce you. But tonight, I'm just going to open this up to everybody. And just say, listen, if you feel that and just say, God, God, I want to be part of this growth. I want to be part of this place. I just want to see, I want to see life enter. I want to see hope enter. I want to be salt and light with a group of other people. Then I'm just going to simply invite you to come up and take your thumb and, and place a leaf while music is playing. And, and if you don't want to, don't, don't worry about it. 
I'm not worried about it either way. I just believe God is about to do something in our midst. And there's going to be no doubt that it's him doing it. Not me, not a group of people, not anything. It's going it's to be God just doing it. I just believe God's going to do something amazing in our midst. Because I pray that every single day. That he would get the credit. And so, this is what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to pray for us, and and I'm going to invite you, just whatever God's calling, speaking to your heart, that you do tonight. 